Hello, friends. Welcome back to Word of Victory. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, for this time of worship and of study of your word together, Father. We just dedicate and consecrate ourselves to you right now, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for feeding us from the treasures of your word, Lord. We thank you today, Lord, for building us up and strengthening us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to start today in the book of First Peter, chapter 5. If you'd like to go there with me, we'll study the word together. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 5. And you know, we are feeding on God's word here today. As we study the Bible, as we study his word, we tune into what is on God's heart. And I pray that today, friend, that you will uh, be strengthened with all might in your inner man as you feed on his word, that he will reveal to you the plans, the purposes he has for you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter um, challenges the, 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 the shepherds who are overseeing the flock. And, you know, that's each one of us because each of us has a ministry to those around us. In our own circle, we are ministering to those in our family, to those in our friends, in our workplace. We are ministering the love of God. That's what we're meant to minister. <laughs> but, you know, for many, they lord it. And he's, Peter's explaining here, you're not to lord it over those entrusted to you, but you are to be an example to the flock so that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory because he goes on to say that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He tells us to, to serve each other in humility. And then he cautions in verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. So you see, uh, when we are going through things, don't ever think that this is just you who's going through this and that nobody else understands how you're feeling or what situation you're in. Because you can be sure, friend, that uh, there are many, many other people <clears throat> who are going through similar situations, whether it's, you know, dealing with sin or dealing with problems or issues, maybe addictions, maybe relationship problems, maybe financial problems, uh, maybe a sickness or a disease of some kind. There are many people who the enemy is, is, you know, trying to break in the same way that he's trying to break you. He's your adversary. That word is a legal term for one who opposes in a court of law. And that is why we need to know the word of God and we need to be strengthened, as, as Peter said here, that we would be strengthened, established and perfected and settled because that's what the word of God does is it, it increases our understanding of who we are in God and who he is more importantly, you know, who he is and what Jesus has already done for us. And you see the cross of Calvary was a place of exchange. And not only that, but it was the place where Jesus disarmed the powers and principalities of darkness. He took away their authority and he took it back and gave it back to us, the believers, in him. Because first day, God had given that authority and dominion to Adam and Eve. But when they sinned, when they decided to follow what the devil told them to do, the serpent in the garden tricked them into sinning, and, and, and they, they willfully went along. What happened was, was they handed over that dominion and authority that they had been given by God to rule on this earth, they gave it to Satan by their allegiance to him, by their aligning with what he wanted them to do. And that is how he became the God of this world. And he has a certain amount of authority in this world. You know, when people follow him and, and, and do what he wants to do, when he, 
when people sin, what they do is they, they hand over the authority that they should rightfully have. They give it to the devil. But Jesus, when he went into hell, he took back the keys of hell. He took back the, the power of sin and death. And he took back the authority that Satan had tricked men into giving him. And he brought it back for us. And that's why he said, I give you the authority. In Luke ten nineteen. he gives you and me that authority right now. I give you the authority, he said, over Satan, over his snakes and his scorpions. That is all the, the things that the enemy can, can entrap people with, the snakes and scorpions. I give you the authority over Satan, over his snakes and his scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So as we study God's word here, as we navigate through the Bible, what we are doing is we are, are strengthening ourselves, uh, not only physically, spiritually, mentally and emotionally, but we are also strengthening ourselves in our knowledge of our authority that we have over Satan and that he does not have the right to bring sickness or disease against us because by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed. So in effect, really, what you're doing as you study the Word of God is you are being trained in, in legal matters from the courtroom of heaven. Praise God. So that's what Paul, Peter was saying here, is that you need, we need to be careful that we are not proud and lifted up and lofty and, and, and you know, looking down on other people or lording it over them because that is a religious spirit and there is no power in a religious spirit. But, you know, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me and learn from me for I am meek and humble. Um, you know, we need to take on the character of Jesus, which is humility and not pride. Um, praise God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And you see, as you do that, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I am not able to deal with this in myself. Um, I cast my cares upon you because I cannot do anything about them. But I know that Jesus, because of what he did at the cross, he won back that authority for me. And in Christ, I have authority. Uh, that's what you're doing. Be sober, be vigilant. You know, be sober there. That's a, um, a very carefully chosen word. Be sober, be watchful, be self-controlled. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Not that he is a roaring lion. A roaring lion has teeth, but the devil has no teeth because Jesus took them out. He has no power over you, but he can, you know, when, when people are, are ignorant of God's word, and I don't say that in a, in a, in a, a, a rude way, but when somebody doesn't understand the word of God, they certainly uh, can be under the power of the devil and, and, and not realize how to break out of that. So the Lord is telling you here, he's like a roaring lion and he seeks whom he may devour. And we are to resist him. How do we resist him? Steadfast in our faith, you know, and, and being perfected, established, strengthened and settled by the power of his word and his glory, what he has done for us at the cross. Amen. Let's have a look at Isaiah chapter 10. I'm not sure whether we did this the other day, but I just want to go back over it because I believe there is a key here. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The more we feed on God's word <clears throat> and the more our knowledge of his power and glory expands, we also expand spiritually. And here in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden, the burden of the enemy, will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke, the yoke the enemy had put on you, will be taken from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. In the NLT it says, in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He, the Lord, will break the yoke of slavery. 
and lift it from their shoulders by the anointing. Okay, so what's the anointing? The anointing <clears throat> is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So the more you feed on God's word, the more your knowledge of his power and his glory expands. What happens is you also expand spiritually. You, you fatten up. And I think I likened this, um, I wrote about this in the, the Outlook that we publish every week, the little article we, we, um, we pay for, we advertise with a local advertiser every week, the Killarney Outlook. And what a blessing it is to many, many people. But, um, you know, it's almost like a little calf when they're born. And they are a little sheep, uh, lamb when they're born. You know, they have to drink their mother's milk. And what that does is it strengthens them and it like fattens them up. And you see this, this little tiny animal, um, you know, who was so helpless when they were born. The more they drink and they sure follow that mother around <laughs> so much so that they start annoying her. And she's, you know, kicking them away after a while because they, they want to keep drinking because they love this milk and the bond that they have with her. And, and it's strengthening them and making them grow in that same way. You are growing and expanding spiritually as you feed from the table the Lord has laid out before you, as you uh, get to understand his word and, and, and feed on it. So much so that the yoke under which the devil tried to hold you in bondage, whether it's sickness, whether it's lack, failure, inferiority, rejection, whether it's turmoil or depression or fear or anxiety, to name just a few, those things will no longer resist or, re or restrict you as you, hold, um, as you hold on to the Lord, as you feed on his word. Those things cannot hold you captive or bound anymore because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit inside of you will fatten you up with the power of God so that you will burst you will burst those yokes and come out from under the weights of those burdens through the revelation of who God is. So you see, the yoke is, is in, in farming terms again, the yoke was this harness that the farmer would put on the animals, whether it was the oxen or the cows who were going to do the plowing for him. So he would yoke two oxen together and and put the whole weight of the plow on two animals and they would drag that plow and plow up that field or with horses you know they would harness the horses together and then the horses would carry <clears throat> that carriage with however many people or you know whatever the load was and they would bear the weight of that of that load so that's what the yoke represents and god here says is that he will destroy the yoke of slavery. He will break that yoke by the power of the anointing inside of you. <clears throat> so the more that you develop and cultivate your relationship with God, the more you cultivate your time in the word, you are going to fatten up in a good way. <laughs> Praise God. Many of us, you know, want to resist getting fat in the natural. But listen, in the spiritual, you, in the spirit realm, you need to get fat. You need to be strengthened with might in the inner man, Ephesians chapter 117 tells us. Hallelujah. And the more, the fatter you get spiritually, you, what will happen is, is that, that as the understanding of, and the knowledge of God's word uh, is, is, is made real to you and, 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 and starts to, to permeate every cell in your body, you will burst through that yoke, that harness that the enemy has put on you, whether it's sickness or disease or failure or, or, or fear or terror or depression, whatever it is, that thing will burst as you grow spiritually and it will break off you. So it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. Say it with me. The anointing destroys the yoke. Let's say, Father God, I thank you today that as I feed on your word, you are fattening me up in the spirit, in the spirit realm. Spiritually, I am fattening on your word and I am growing and being strengthened in the inner man. 
And I thank you, Lord, that as the anointing in me grows, those things that the enemy has tried to hold me bound with are broken. I decree it today in Jesus' name. Amen. He is the great I am. And the power that is released to us from that secret place of his presence, of, of feeding on his word, of abiding in his presence. When we meditate and understand his word, no foe, <clears throat> excuse me, no foe can withstand you. No foe. That's what it says in Psalm 91 in the Amplified Version. He who dwells in the secret place under the shadow of the Most High God, whose power no foe can withstand. It's God's power in you. It's nothing to do with you or your power. That's why we humble ourselves under his mighty hand. We humble ourselves as we realize, oh God, I have no answers for this. I cannot solve this issue. I cannot solve this problem. But in Christ, in you, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. He increased his, yeah, yeah, let's have a look at that. It's in Psalm 105. <clears throat> God, excuse me today for the croaky voice. In Psalm 105, it's a long psalm, we're not going to read it all, but just verse 24. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. You see, it's the power of the increase that comes from the knowledge of God, that comes from, from living in his presence. What's happening? And you might not see this, friend, but I guarantee you, you are growing in the spirit. And you know, other people notice it and the devil notices it. You are growing. The more you study his word, it's not about hours and hours and hours of study, but it is about a heart motivation of putting God first. And what happens is, is that you are becoming strong, so much stronger than your enemy. Hallelujah. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Let's say it together. Father, I thank you that you are increasing me greatly by the power of your word, of the knowledge of the anointing inside of me. And you are making me stronger than my enemies in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go and have a look at Luke chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. Luke's gospel. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, we submit to you today and we ask you, Lord, to unfold and, and bring revelation, fresh fire, fresh anointing upon us today through the word of God in Jesus' name. Jesus, you know, told us to ask the Lord for our daily bread. And as we said um, previously, that's not just provision. It's not just finances. It's not just wages or, or money. What he's talking about, because he said, you know, he answered the, the devil out in the wilderness and he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so when we get our daily bread, when we go into the Bible and study his word every day, what we're doing is we're eating fresh bread, not stale bread. Many people are, are involved in, in, in religious ritual and formulas and methods. And, and, you know, it's been years since they had fresh bread. It's been years or maybe never had fresh bread. They're always eating stale crumbs. Praise God. In, in uh, Psalm 23, the Lord says, He lays a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That table is laden with fresh bread. It's laden with treats and with good things to make us grow, to nourish us, to feed us, to supply provision for us in every area. So we want fresh bread. We don't want stale bread. We want bread for today, our daily bread. You know, the other thing is, is that when we go to the word of God, have you found this friend that, you know, you, you've maybe been dealing with an issue or, or had some kind of a, a need and you've gone to God's word for an answer and he's brought you a word that answered you perfectly. You know, it, God's daily bread is relevant it's relevant to you. It's what you need at this moment in time. Years ago, and it's one of, 
one of my testimonies, um, I was in hospital for a sickness that they couldn't find an answer to, and <clears throat> it was going on and on for months, and it, it was very frightening. And what happened was is that I would get these blackouts and kind of, I don't know, blackout and faint. And, of course, then I started getting panic attacks because... It happened to me when I was driving my car. It happened to me, you know, when I was walking down the street. And it's really terrifying. Uh, panic is a is a terrifying place to be in. It's a lonely place to be in because it's it's very difficult to articulate what is going on or to explain to somebody. And um, it ended up anyway. I'd been in a few hospitals um, over a period of four or five months, and in the final hospital I was in, um, I was due to have, uh, you know, a camera down into my lungs the next day. And, oh, my God, I was absolutely terrified of that. I'm not not really into hospitals and doctors and blood and all those kind of things. But anyway, um, I was, <laughs> if I wasn't panicking before, I was certainly panicking that night in the hospital. And um, this doctor, who consultant lady, um, came in to see me and... She announced to me that she felt that she should put me on antidepressants. And I said, what? Why? Why? <laughs> like, why? And she said, I think you may have a chronic fatigue um, syndrome, this uh, ME, it's called. And um, uh, antidepressants have been found to rebalance the chemicals in the body. And, to, and I said, I don't think I want to do that. I said, um, you know, I, I don't think that I'm kind of... Uh, I, I thought they were for people who, you know, maybe had had mental health issues, and I don't feel I have that. Um, and I looked at her, and she kind of was looking at me with a smirk on her face, and I said, "Are you trying to say that that um, I'm neurotic?" And she said, "Well, only a little." Oh my God, I was so devastated that day. Um, it was just. You know, it was like everything came crashing down around me, especially her demeanor and the way she delivered it. It was so unkind and cruel. And um, <clears throat> anyway, she said, well, I'm going to do one final test <clears throat> and then I'll discharge you tomorrow after the test. And, you know, we'll see then or whatever. And <clears throat> excuse me. So. That night came and I was devastated because I was now in the brand of, <laughs> I felt, you know, of people who were, uh, of, that I was after being labelled as, as one who was mentally unstable of, in some way. And this was really, really the low point of my life, I suppose. I, I, I felt so alone and so, so um, devastated. And... I prayed to God that night so earnestly, <laughs> you know, I really cried out to him. I suppose I'd reached the bottom of the barrel and I had my Bible with me. I used to read the Bible, um, you know, now and again. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, God, if you are real, will you please show me something to help me right now? Because I don't want to go down this road of being on those medications um, because I, I knew people who, who, who were on them and, you know, were, were needed them all their lives. And I just felt that I didn't want to go down that road. And I knew that, that there was something else at the root of this problem that I had. And um, <clears throat> I, I just cried out to God in that hospital bed anyway that night. I was on my own in the room, and uh, the people who had been there were discharged that day. So <clears throat> I had my Bible in my hand, and my Bible literally fell open at a scripture, and it fell open at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. And it's like the word just jumped off the page to me. And it said, the wise woman builds up her house and the foolish one tears hers down with her own hands. And I knew that day that word was relevant for me. It was what I needed right at that moment. I knew it was the Lord speaking to me, that I knew that the house represented my life. I I had never had any teaching on this or anything, but it was like that the Holy Spirit just just brought revelation to me personally there 
in that in that space and that if i wanted to live a good life i would need to build up my house but that the way that i had been going up to then that i was tearing it down with my own hands and so i made a decision and i said lord if you will help me <laughs> i said first of all <laughs> i was like gideon i said first of all lord would you please cancel that test tomorrow because i don't want to have it done i don't think there's anything wrong with my lungs and i don't want to go in for an operation and have this this procedure so i said would you please cancel that and i said get me out of here tomorrow and i said i will i will follow you i will you know learn from your word and i'll i you know see how you will heal me i believe that you've just spoken to me so next morning um the nurses came in they said uh the doctors decided to cancel that procedure and discharge you this morning i was saying hallelujah praise the lord so i got out of that hospital she had given me a prescription for those drugs and as i was walking out the door um my husband came to collect me he was we were just going out with each other that time he came to collect me and i was telling him about it and he said rose i don't think that you should take those things and i said i agree with you so as we were walking out the hospital door and it was a hard thing to do because this was the the answer medicine had given me so i was now deciding to throw that away but i stood at the hospital door where the bin was and i put the medication she'd given me plus the prescription for the next 6 months into the bin and i said i am never going down that road in jesus name and i walked away from that hospital that day did my problems disappear no they did not did the panic attack stop no not for a long couple of months but the lord started me on a journey of healing and restoration at that time and i can stand before you today and tell you that i have never uh, had to to go down or go back to that that situation because he and, and maybe some other time i'll give that testimony but it's not for right now but praise god i was completely healed and restored and you know it has taken um years of study of the word of god to come to a place where i can say that you know i see looking back over those years i see where the lord brought me out of darkness and he brought me into the light he brought me out of turmoil out of fear out of intimidation out of panic and anxiety and out of the the plot and the and and the plan that the devil had for my life the lord uh, brought me out of there he healed me he restored me he made me whole in Jesus name and you see that's what Jesus did for us at the cross and you are no different friend that's what he did for you praise god so i'm telling you that today today you know the bible says if you hear his voice today do not harden your heart and what that means is is you know god has a word for you today and his word for you today is fresh bread it's not stale it's not a you know there's nothing missing from it it's 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 not even gluten free <laughs> it's fresh beautiful uh, bread daily manna that he has for you and it's relevant to you today jesus in luke 5 um i hope you're there luke 5 verse 16 it's just one simple line so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed turn over the page luke 6 luke 6 verse 12 now it came to pass in those days that he went out unto the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to god jesus constantly there's other places as well but i'm not going to go to them right now where jesus withdrew every night and spent time alone with the lord in his presence it was in places of solitude and in a position of prayer and meditation on god's word that's where jesus the man was imbued with power with provision with peace with wisdom with strategy and with great great authority in his word we constantly read in the gospels and the people were amazed and astonished at the authority of his word they were amazed at his teachings for they had never heard anything like this where did jesus get that anointing he got it from spending time alone with god 
his times of solitude were not, you know, um, just him wanting to have quietness and peace. <clears throat> he had to have that time alone with God in order to be able to do what he needed to do in his ministry. In the garden in Gethsemane, you know, he brought the disciples with them and he told them, stay there while I go and pray. And they heard what he prayed and he prayed, Lord, you know, if there's any chance that you could take this cup from me, please do so. But not my will, but yours be done. God's, you know, his humanity. This was Jesus, the man. Remember, he went to the cross. He defeated Satan as a man because it was a man who gave the authority first day. It was Adam, and you can read this in Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6. It was a man, Adam, who first day handed over the authority um, that mankind had to Satan. So it was a man who had to take it back. That's why Jesus had to be born as one of us, as a little human being, as a baby. That's why they didn't recognize him, because they were expecting Messiah to come as some majestic king. And in he, when he comes back, that's what he's coming back as. But his first coming was as a humble servant, as a little baby. Not my will, but yours be done. His humanity plugged in to God's power socket to recharge every single day. He was restored as he plugged in, you know, from his immersion into the presence of God every night. He emerged every day soaked in the presence of God and then was able to do his will. That's how he was able to carry out such healings, such miracles, because the presence of God was on him. Some people hate being alone. They hate silence. They, they, they you know, have to have company, whether it's the radio or the television or, or people around, noise, clatter. You know, some people need that to feel safe. But it can prevent them from connecting with the Prince of Peace. And in all the hustle and the bustle, the running and the racing, what happens is their battery runs down. And they start to wither and die and become spiritually dry. They've been eating, you know, it's a long time since they had fresh bread. Many people don't like solitude or isolation. We are, we have been created to have fellowship with each other. But we have to get alone with God. Because, you know, a lot of people don't like being, don't like solitude because it's there when I'm alone with myself <laughs> that I, I know and I see who I really am. And, and you see many of us, many people don't like who they really are at all. They don't like it. But the thing is, we need to be recharged and restored by the power that comes only from being in the presence of God. I can't drive, you know, if I want to drive to Dublin from where I live, it's, it's 200 miles or something, I think is 200 miles. I can't drive to Dublin with only a couple of litres of fuel in my car. I need to refuel. I can't use my phone for an entire, an entire day's activities um, and my work if it's only showing 12% battery in the morning. I need to recharge it. How many of you know that? Oh my God, I'm down to 5%. <laughs> How many have, have fights in their households with the kids, you know, and give me the charger. I'm on five, you're on 30. <laughs> it's a first world, new, new problem. Isn't it? We need to recharge our batteries. In the same way, I will not be able to navigate through this time of crisis or what lies beyond it unless I am filled up with God's presence and his power. Let's look at Job chapter 23. The book of Job, it's right before Psalms, isn't it? Job chapter 23. And verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This was Job speaking. 
And that's what we need to do, is treasure the words of his mouth more than our necessary food. We need to tune in to the heart of God. Let's have a look at Proverbs while we're on that side of the book. Proverbs, and it's chapter 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Lots of people are giving their opinions right now, especially about the virus and, and all that's going on. You know, and they're giving their opinions quite confidently. <laughs> um, but those opinions are just human reasoning and human thought. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's counsel that will stand. Right now, we are drowning in information, I believe. People, the world in general, is drowning in information from the media and, and from governments and health authorities. But no one yet, nobody knows anything for sure. That tells me, you know, that I need to hear what God's counsel is and not what man's counsel is. Because man may have thoughts and opinions, but they are not what will stand. In fact, the word of God says is that, uh, you know, a man, um, people are like grass, people are like flowers. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Um, in another place in the Word of God, which I can't remember right now, it says, you know, that a place uh, uh, where a man lives, you know, when that man is gone, you will look for, I think it's Isaiah t um, 41, but it says, you know, for, for your enemies that that are incensed against you, and then you will go and look for them, and you won't find them. And even the place where they were won't remember them. That's the thing about us. Human beings are fragile and frail. Our lives are, are but a vapor, it says in the word of God. We're here today and gone tomorrow. But God's counsel and God's word will never fail and his word will stand and his plans are what will stand. Flick over the page while you're in Proverbs there to Proverbs 21 and verse 16. A man who wanders... And look, when you see man in the Bible, friend, it means man or woman. It's mankind it's talking about. Human beings. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. That's a sobering word, isn't it? A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. We have a choice whether we decide to live in life or death. In Jesus, in Christ, we have life. In the world, there's death. And for people who, who turn their backs on God, for people who a stale crumb every now and again does them, what's going to happen there is not only will you end up physically dead, but you, you know spiritually dead as well, withered and dry and have nothing, no fresh, no fresh um, word to live on. Let's look at Exodus 33. I'm going to read it from the NLT today. Let's have a look at Moses. Okay, we're going to look at Exodus 33 and 34. Exodus is the second book of the Bible in the Old Covenant. Hallelujah. You're getting fed fresh bread today, friend. In Exodus 33 and verse um, 7, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. But whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. 
When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So here you've got this, you know, really striking um, thing that he, the whole camp recognized that when Moses went to the tent of meeting, the cloud of God's presence would come down. And Moses spoke to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Let's see what happened then in 34. And verse... Oh no, sorry. Um, I want to continue in 33 for a moment. Moses was speaking to the Lord one day then in uh, 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you a rest. Everything will be fine for you. The Lord was talking about going to the promised land. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So praise God. You know, Moses cried out to him and said, right, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want us to go. But please, you have to promise that you will come with us. Because if your presence does not go with us, we will never have any success. We are nothing without your presence. And he said, it's your presence that sets us apart from the other people. We asked earlier on, why, how did Jesus have such power? What set him apart from the others who were preaching the word of God? It was the time he spent alone in the presence of God. And similarly here with Moses. Moses, you know, spent such time with God. He was known as a friend of God. Isn't that a wonderful, a wonderful testimony to have? Many people, you know, wonder what <clears throat> the eulogy at their funerals will be and the great things that people will say about them. I think what I'd like to have said about me is that I was a friend of God and that he was my friend because he is. He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And through so many things in life, through so many hard times, I can tell you I have seen God, my friend, with me, has brought me out of such darkness and brought me into the light of his glorious kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now I wanted to read another scripture in 34. Yes, in 34, Exodus 34, just over the page. Moses was, was on the mountain with the Lord. Let's look at uh, 28. Moses, or Exodus 34, 28. Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord forty days and forty nights. In all that time he ate no bread and drank no water. That is not possible, friend. Okay? It is not possible to go for even, I don't know, a couple of days without water. So there must be something in the presence of God that sustains and feeds and waters and nourishes us. Because it happened to Moses. 
He ate no bread and drank no water for 40 days. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. In the spirit realm, you know, we have no need of anything but the presence of God. When Moses came down, Mount, uh, came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant or with the Ten Commandments. He wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him and Moses gave the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would say, see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Praise God. The, the difference in a person who spends time with the Lord is that their face, their whole life, their whole body is radiant. And that's how we know. Um, you know, when we can have joy while all others are, are, are struggling and terrified and fearful, you know, that's the presence of God, the anointing of the Spirit of God on you. That's how you know the difference. When Jesus went up on the mount <clears throat> and he was transfigured and his whole body became radiant and, and, and filled with light, you know, that was a, um, a foreshadow of his glorified body. And that's where we are all going to be one day when we close our eyes on this earth. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have made him Lord over every part of your life, Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And, you know, we will go and, and be transfigured and, and receive our glorious uh, bodies. But in the meantime, here on this earth, we can be radiant with the presence of God. Hallelujah. Just like Moses. In uh, Isaiah chapter 55, let's go there on the way to the new... New Covenant, New Testament. Isaiah 55, I think I have it marked here in the, I'm going to go back to the New King James. I encourage you to read Isaiah 55. I'm just going to pick a few scriptures out of it. It's a very short chapter. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Amen. The sure mercies of David. The Lord is telling you, you know, come and eat from my table. It's going to cost you nothing financially, but it will cost you your time. Why are you spending money on stuff that is not going to sustain you? Many people are spending money on trash. They're spending their time on trash. They're watching trash on television. Look, I like watching TV as much as the next person, but I won't watch trash. I won't spend my time, you know, wasting time on the things that don't matter. We need, to waste, we need to spend time with the Lord and give him our time. Put him first. It says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hallelujah. God will never fail you, but you have to understand. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, go on into 12 there. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. For it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. When we realize that his thoughts are far higher than ours, that he has a strategy and a plan. And so when we uh, go to his table and eat from what he is giving us, um, eat his food, what happens is, is that joy and peace are what will be restored to us. And those things that were not producing for us will produce. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar. Maybe the things that have been going on in people's lives have been, you know, bringing forth uh, failure or lack or, or, or sickness. Bringing up briars. Um, bringing up thorns. But as you eat from God's table, as you seek him, as you uh, get nourishment from his word, everything will change. Joy and peace will be the, the, the outcome for you in Jesus' name. God's thoughts are higher than ours. He offers us a table to feast from. But as I said, it will cost us something. It'll cost you your time. And for many people, that's a cost too high. They are not prepared to give God their time because they're always too busy or they're too lazy they've no need i don't really need god you know i'm getting on fine i'm 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 getting on fine i don't need him well you know the bible tells us that when the evil day comes will you be able to stand the evil day will come to everybody for a lot of people, okay, they mightn't like solitude, they mightn't like silence, um, they find it difficult to quieten down. But listen, that is a necessary uh, thing to do because you cannot abide in the presence of God while you're yapping and talking and while there's clutter and clatter going on all around. Quieten down, Coco. Praise God. I apologize for that interlude. <laughs> Brief interlude, courtesy of Coco the dog. Hallelujah. Well, we're back now. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're just going to finish here. Paul was speaking here to the Corinthian church. And he said in verse 3, I'm going to read it from the NLT again. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. The letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We are confident of all this because our great trust in God, because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant, not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. That's what it means. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And you see, in the old covenant, as we read, Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets of stone, and God's laws were written on those tablets of stone. But he promised in Jeremiah and in Hebrews that in the new covenant... In the blood of Jesus, his laws would no longer be written on tablets of stone, but would be written on men's hearts. And so that's why our lives are a letter from Christ, is what Paul is saying, because um, his word is in our heart. 
The anointing of God lives inside of us now. We don't have to, to go and look for it in some outside place or through some ritual or through some method because the Spirit of God lives inside of us through the blood of Jesus because of what Jesus did at the cross. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. This is verse 7. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is, is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. You see, that's why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That is why uh, in, in the, through the letter, or through the old covenant, through the law, you cannot have a relationship with God because there's condemnation there. If you if you break one law or you do one thing wrong, then, you know, you have broken the whole law. But with Jesus, what happened when he gave his life, he shed his blood. His, you know, this glory we now live in is far more glorious than the than the law because he lives inside of us now. And. This veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Understanding comes. The word of God becomes alive and sharper than any double-edged sword. The, you know, the rhema word of God um, comes to life. As we read his word, his word speaks to us because the word of God is a person, is Jesus Christ. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And to go back to that very first scripture we had at the start in Isaiah chapter 10, 27, the anointing destroys the yoke. As we are changed and transformed through the power of his spirit living inside of us, as we feed on his word, we are transformed and changed from glory to glory. And that's how the anointing breaks the yoke. And whatever things that have bothered us or, or been issues in our life or, or bondages or whatever that have kept us bound or made us sick, those things will have to go in Jesus' name as the revelation of what Jesus did for us. His laws are now written on our hearts. His spirit now lives inside of us and the veil has been taken away. We can understand God's word. We can commune with him and have relationship to him with him as a friend all because of what Jesus did at the cross amen friend I hope you enjoyed this study time today I pray uh, in the name of Jesus that the veil every veil be lifted from our eyes Lord I pray today that you would open our eyes to your word that you would open our spiritual eyes that we can see in the spirit what you are doing that you would open our spiritual ears that we can hear uh, the things that you have stored up for us, Lord, the plans and the strategies that you have for us. And I encourage you, friend, you know, these, these are, are strange days, especially <clears throat> in terms of, of uh, business and jobs and things like that. And, you know, the Lord has witty um, ideas, witty inventions for people. And for many, they are going to have to press into the word of God to hear what his plan is, because maybe it's a plan of diversification 
of, of, of going a different path, going a different way. Because, you know, like we read in, in Isaiah 55, the things which brought forth briars and thorns in the past, those things will be changed into things of blessing. Here he goes again, barking. Sorry about that. But uh, those things will be changed into into blessing and into uh, breakthrough for you as you press in and hear God's word. Amen. So, Father, we just praise you today, Lord, for every veil to be lifted. I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word that you would let us shine as lights, Lord, full of your love and your power. And as we minister to others, Lord, let us minister in humility. Let us reach out to others in humility and not in pride. And let us tune in to your heartbeat for them. And that you would pour out the love of God through us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit everywhere we go in Jesus' name. God bless you, friend. I have to go and leave that bold dog out right now. <laughs> Amen. God bless. Bye-bye.